welcome to the show. I continue to do interviews because, well, that's what I do. I uh, do interviews. So I have a twofer today. First up is Rob Carlisle from The Compulsions, his second time on the show. And uh, last time we talked to Rob, he was out promoting his new album, Ferocious. And uh, now that album is out and it's getting rave reviews. So we're going to talk about that. And uh, next up, I talked to the band The Dodies from Israel, a garage rock band, and they are produced by Bumblefoot, a very talented duo, kind of a white stripe sound, but it's very interesting how they do their uh, sound with two people, and you'll get to hear all about that in the interview. Check it out. Uh, Welcome, Rob Carlisle from The Compulsions, our second interview together. How the hell are you? Uh, you know, like everybody else, man, I'm, uh, I'm hanging in as best as I can, you know? So thanks for having me back, man. Yeah. So, um, you're, the new album's out ferocious and, uh, it's getting some pretty good reviews. <laughs> I'd say pretty good is, uh, is, is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, John Stoney, uh, he put it on his top five albums of the year for sleaze rocks. I'm a big sleaze rocks guy. And then um, I don't know who this guy is, Tony Pajar. He called yeah. it. He called it genius. That's <laughs> pretty cool. That. Imagine that. <laughs> no, but tell me the story. You you said something about people accused you of writing your own reviews or paying people to write reviews or something like no, that. No, no, I was, no. No one's ever. No one's ever accused me of paying people to write reviews. But um, no, uh, uh, this is early on. You know, when like you know when I had five reviews, probably I'm going back like 20 years now. Um, I remember, uh, I got a review from a guy and his, his name happened to be somewhat similar to another guy that we all hung out with. And so everybody just assumed that it was like, cause I was friends with the guy and I'm like, no, that's a different dude, you know? So, you know, especially when you're first starting out and you're on the club scene and it's really competitive and everybody, at least back then seemed to be trying to, um, what's the word kind of like, you know, undercut each other and, you know, um, and just, you know, you know, trying, uh, you know, everybody's trying to put everybody down and, and, and overly competitive and stuff. So people would just try and find any reason to just, you know, disparage you and, uh, and, and, and take you down a notch. So 400 positive reviews later, I think it's a little harder for people to do, you know, is it really 400? No, oh, but it's <laughs> but, a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, I mean, I've been doing this so long that, the you know, the first the first EP that I put out was called Laughter from Below. Right. And that came out like in, I think, 2003, 2004. And that got insane reviews as well. Um, and that was the first time out of the out of the gate. So I didn't know what to expect. And uh, a lot of those websites, you know, that's you going back almost 20 years now, a lot of those websites don't even exist anymore. So is it 400? No, but, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty high. Yeah. So how does that work? Like, do you have to submit the music to these websites or do they just find you or how, how does that work? Yeah. I, I didn't know that either in the beginning. Like I, when, when I first put out the first EP, I just sat back and waited. I was like, okay, you know, let's see what happens and nothing happens. So hmm. you have to, you know, back then it was, again, just to date myself and date all of us for a minute, you know, 20 years ago, yeah, there was an internet like there is now, but it wasn't like it is now. Um, So you weren't submitting tracks, you know, online or giving people. With this album, I sent out, you know, uh, I sent out a link. You probably got it back in the day. It was a link and it was kind of like a sampler where you would hear like, 
the bulk of each track, just enough to really get a good idea um, uh, and, and form an opinion on it. But back in the day, man, you had to like, you know, throw it in an envelope with a cover letter and, uh, and, um, and send it out there and then just like hope that you heard back. Um, so that's how you did it. Same with, same with airplay too. You know, I, I thought I had no idea how, you know, how one gets airplay, but you got to go out and you got to go out and, and hustle for yourself when you don't have management and you don't have a label and, and none of that stuff. So yeah, it's all, it's all DIY. And so that's why you, and you, um, you're getting airplay as well because you're sending it to these, like, what is it like internet radio or, or do you yeah, send it to terrestrial radio or. Yeah. For, for this album, if, if you really want to know the truth for this album, I did not do a big push for airplay because, you know, I mean, I love everybody, but it just doesn't do you as much good as, as you would think it would do, you know? Um, you know, if you really want to make an impact with airplay for real, you got to be on mainstream radio, you know? Mm. Um, so, uh, I, I've been mostly concentrating on, um, on, on reviews and I've done a ton of podcasts with, uh, with, with, with guys like you, which is totally cool. Um, so yeah, you gotta, you gotta do it. You gotta do it yourself. Mm. Right on. I, I found, I found this interesting that, um, you know, I knew that you had, obviously you had Bumblefoot play on this, but I didn't know part of the reason that you had Bumblefoot play on your latest album was to piss off your ex bandmates, Richard Fortas and Frank Fair. Uh, more Richard than Frank, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, me and Richard didn't have a good, um, it didn't end well with us. Mm. Uh, so let me just leave it at that. And, um, I have no idea if it would, or, you know, but it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like when you're going out with a chick mm-hmm. and uh, and you break up and you go out with her best friend, you know, just to piss her off. Kind of that kind of thing. So <laughs> totally cat, totally catty, totally immature. Um, but this is rock and roll. Um, and uh, and Bumblefoot's a fucking world class killer guitar player. And his name stands on its own. He doesn't need another band's name in parentheses next to him. So, you know, who the fuck he is, mm-hmm. you know, um, and uh and so, yeah, so if he took it as a fuck you, then he could take it as a goddamn fuck you. <laughs> yeah, how I, I wondered how um, you got Bumblefoot and all these other, you know, Earl Slick and Rob Delaney and Alec Morton and Andrew Sherman and Hugh Poole. How do you get these guys? Like, did you just reach out and ask them? And did anyone turn you down? Is there anyone that you reached out to that uh, didn't? <laughs> um, well, all those guys, each one is a different story, uh, you know, on its own. Um uh, in the case, and most of the time, you know, like uh, there's a there's a whole circle of really awesome. Um, um, I want to say blues oriented, although that's probably a little bit, a, li- a little bit limiting. But there's a whole circle of like serious musician cats who are not name, you know, name recognition type guys. And they're all kind of affiliated with like the studios that I work with. And that's you, you mentioned Hugh Poole. Uh, and Ken Rich, they've played on on a lot of my stuff, and they've um and, and they've produced a lot of my stuff. But then you mentioned like Andrew Sherman and uh and 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 and, and Craig Dreyer and uh, and Ethan Eubanks and stuff. These are all like heavy, like I want to say blues, you know, blues type cats. Even though they can do more than that, but they're not like part of the rock world, which is completely full of fucking shit. Um, and they're just like you know a cooler you know, breed more down to earth class of guys, um, typically. Uh, 
and then and then the other dudes who you're talking about, I'm not saying that they're not down to earth. Um, uh, like you're talking about Brian Delaney and Alec Morton and uh, and Bumblefoot and Earl Slick. You know, I just reached out to them uh, just because we either had common contacts or whatever. Um, you know, like I worked with Sammy Yaffa, for example, who was in the Dolls. And then from the Sammy connection, I made the connection to Brian Delaney, who was in the Dolls. And then from Brian Delaney, I made the connection to Earl, who was also in the Dolls for a little bit. So, you know, it's kind of like one thing leads to another. Um, so, uh, yeah. So is there anyone that turned you down, though? Oh, turn me down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I uh, I. I reached out to Matt Sorum a, a while ago. Yeah, yeah. That would be cool. Uh, yeah, and he, it was funny because what the hell was going on with that? Um, long story short, I, you know, I've, I was trying to make another version of the compulsions and we, I forget, I forget the whole deal, but we were, we were, I was talking with a booking agent and he had this idea where he was going to do like, a double bill with the compulsions and um, Sherry Curry, if I'm even saying her name right, from the Runaways. Mm. Um, so it was going to be like a double bill with us and and her. And I needed a band, um, so it just I just you know reached out to Matt Zorm and I was like, "This is what's going on." And he wrote back immediately, and he was like, "You know, thanks for thinking of me, but I'm actually." Uh, working with Sherry right now. And I think he made an album with her. He produced an album with her. So I guess you could say that was a no. Um, and then I did reach out, I did reach out to Slash's manager one time. Dang. Um, I, got his I got his name through the grapevine. Yeah. And this was before the reunion, the big GNR reunion that went down. This is probably like a year before or even the same year. And it wasn't like public yet. So I reached out to, um, to the manager just just to see what the response would be if he would even write back. And sure enough, man, he wrote back right away and he was totally cool. And he was like, you know, thanks for thinking of us, but um, Slash is going to be real busy um, coming up real soon. And he didn't say what it was or what it involved. So yeah, I guess you could say, <laughs> I guess you could say I got turned down by Slash and Matt Sorum. No, that's good. Because yeah, I was going to say like, if everyone's saying yes, maybe you should aim a little higher just to, you know, just because well, like, I mean, dude, all those guys are like, I don't know if there is any higher, you know I mean? Mm -hmm. They're, they're all like, that's such an upper echelon. Um, so, you know, yeah. So, um, those are two that I thought of right off the bat that you told me that's probably, um, the ones that would raise your eyebrows the most was, uh, was Matt and slash. But are you even a guns and roses fan or, or are you? Dude, I love fucking Guns N' Roses. Oh, you? Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not... If you want to get into it, man, I, I thought Chinese democracy was <clears> a fucking catastrophe. I know I know a lot of you guys love it, but I can't listen to it. Um, but yeah, Appetite for Destruction was like... You know, I, I, was the, I was right in the age range of guys that was like... That that was going to appeal to when it came out. You know, I grew up in the 70s. I loved Aerosmith and the Stones and Led Zeppelin and all that kind of stuff. In the 80s, there was a real lack of of that kind of music. So I remember, you know, I was listening, I, you know, I was, you know, obviously you're listening to all your classic rock albums, but you're always looking out for something new. So at the time, you know, I played the hell out of Tesla's Mechanical Resonance album. Do you know that one? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I had that on cassette. I would play that in the car, and like to me, that was like as close to Aerosmith as you could get. That you know, that guy's voice is fucking incredible. Yeah. Um. So I love Tesla, and so that was like at the time that was like my band that was like as close to the Aerosmith thing that you could get. But then um, I remember a friend of mine, we were in his car, and I was like, dude, I got to play you something. You're going to love this. And he threw on Appetite. I'd never heard it before. And my mind was blown because as much as I love Tesla and they're great, but what GNR had that was more in the Aerosmith vein was like the darkness and the danger, you know. Um, and so I loved, you know, I love that about um, – and other bands from that era, you know, I, I don't I, I probably never bought a Cinderella album, but I definitely appreciated the videos when they came on or Rat was another one. I don't think I ever bought a Rat album, but at least that stuff was like it had that like dark, dirty, dangerous element to it. Mm-hmm. But then when GNR came out, you know, it just it was like next level, you know. So, yeah, I, I, I love Guns N' Roses. Are you kidding me? And Izzy Stradlin, 100 percent is a big influence. Okay. Yeah. I just, yeah. I wanted to make sure. Yeah. Cause I obviously you cover Dustin bones and stuff, but I, for some reason I thought last time we talked, I think I thought you weren't as big of a GNR fan. Maybe it's I, don't, just, I don't, I don't love, I don't love the Chinese democracy era stuff. I love what I about love, the user illusions though? Yeah. Those are, those are cool. I mean, I, I, everybody has said this before <sighs> and I agree. You could make one awesome album out of, out of those two that would, you know, I don't, there's probably a lot of filler on there that I don't know if would hold up to in this day and age, like get in the ring. I don't know if I need I love to that song. That, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's cool. But like other ones like right next door to hell and you ain't the first and stuff like that. Like that to me, that stuff was really cool. Um, um, bad obsession. Um, but, and just to clarify when I, when I put down Chinese democracy, I, I I've heard a lot of people talk about how they feel it's overproduced and that's actually what I love about it. Like, I love the production value of it, which is like over the top, overdone, you know, everything but the kitchen sink thrown at it. I love that. And I've borrowed that mentality quite a bit in the compulsions world. Like, if you listen to the way we covered cocaine, you know, um, that has that over the top, you know, and way we did dust and bones and the way we've done, uh, there's, a band, there's a song called uh, Band of Thieves on the new album. And a lot of that stuff is not the traditional, you know, two guitars, bass and drums, you know, uh, you know, um, sound. It's like it's layered with so much, you know, synthesizer and all kinds of stuff just to make it really dense and overdone. And the guitar tones are like overcooked and everything. I love that. But I also love songs that are really super catchy and don't sound like, you know, you know, after school special, you know what I mean? Like, and, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I felt like. I thought a lot of the stuff on, you know, uh, you know, I don't mean to put them, at, put them down, but you're asking me, I thought a lot of the stuff on, uh, on Chinese democracy was like kind of pussy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's uh it's like sappy or it's like, yeah, it's soft, uh, balance. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's some of it's so, like some of those songs kind of grown on me though. Like, especially when I saw them, live with uh with bumblefoot actually was before the reunion and i was like oh actually some of these songs aren't that bad they're kind of cool actually especially with the guitar parts played live they were kind of cool but yes there's like too many ballads on that one i think i think they should have put more rocking songs on it (laughs) yeah i mean i know i'm not going to be real popular for saying it but (laughs) like you know you're asking me my opinion and i'm just telling you and like i let my albums speak for themselves and it's like you know uh I, you know, whatever. 
Yeah, so you're this new album. I really like the the songs. They really grow on you. But so when you're writing the songs, you said that you like to start with a cool title. That's oh, yeah, that's definitely. really smart. Or you say a great riff. But uh, the title thing is interesting. That you would just come up with a title and then then go from there. So basically, you don't even have a a melody or anything. Right. Um, I, I, I know a lot of people say they start out with a melody. I almost never start out with a melody. Um, uh, um, and, 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 and everybody says, um, every, you know, there's always this, you know, so many different ways to come up with a song. Um, like you said, there's the title, there's the riff, there's a chorus, there's a chorus in your head. Sometimes it's just like a phrase, like somebody says something and you're like, Oh, you know, like for example, um, you know, I remember seeing, I remember watching back in the day, it was on, it was an Aerosmith, um, uh, they were accepting an award on MTV or whatever. And, uh, and I think it was either Steven Tyler or Joe Perry said something about, you know, about, about music in general, about how, it, how, how the origins of music was just, you know, what we, what, what people did when they would dance around the fire. Right. And I was like, dance around the fire. That's a cool song title. And I, you know, if you look at the first compulsion EP, there's a song called dance around the fire. There's a song called shake hands with the devil, because, you know, I love all kinds of music, including country music. And I love Chris Christopherson and he's got an album and a song called shake hands with the devil. And I remember seeing that thinking, Oh man, that's a really cool song title. And his song is cool. Um, it's a good song, but I wrote another song called Shake Hands with the Devil because you can't copyright song titles. Like there's a million songs called, you know, uh, just I know you're a fan. So there's a million songs called Night Train. Like go 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 look at the Wikipedia page for Night Train. Mm -hmm. And there's a ton of people that have written a song called Night Train. You can you can write a song with the same title. You can write Brown Sugar, you know, you better but you better stand up to the the one that everybody knows and loves. But um uh, what was the point I was trying to make? Yeah. So the song title is like, I, I thought that was like the stupidest way to come up with songs until I read an interview with John Fogarty, who's probably one of the greatest, not probably, definitely one of the greatest, you know, songwriters of all time. And they were asking him how he comes up with a song. And he was like, I come up with a title first. He goes, because I picture that kid. I mean, this is going back in the day. I picture that kid in the record store picking up the album in the bin, turning it over and looking at the song titles. And I want that kid to look at the titles and be like, damn, I got to hear what that sounds like. So coming up with the titles is like, it's just a, it's just a great way. And, and uh, you know, to, to, um, to, to, to open up your mind and, and, and come up with stuff that maybe you wouldn't have come up with before, you know, a choice of words that's not in your normal vocabulary or a lot of times, especially in the early days, I was like, okay, you know, I know all my favorite rock and roll bands and all my favorite blues guys and all my favorite country guys. And I was like, they all have a devil song. They all have a fire song. They all have, you know, there's always a wolf in there somewhere, <laughs> you know? And so I was kind of like going down the checklist, you know, and this, and the checklist is literally endless. Um, there's a lot of stuff I still haven't done. So yeah. So funk number six, 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 you know, Joe Walsh is a big um, uh, influence and I love, uh, I love him. He's got a song that I'm sure a lot of people know, Funk Number uh, 49, which is incredible. Um, and then a, a few years later, or maybe even before, he came out with Funk Number 48. And I was, I remember thinking, you know, Funk Number 666 would be a cool play on what on what Joe did as a title. Musically, the, the, everything's completely different, but just to take it the next step, um, 
And so, yeah, so Funk Number 666 is one of those that started out as a title. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you bring that up about not being able to copyright a song title because I just had Ryan Roxy on from uh, Alice Cooper's band, and uh, he was in a band called, I think it was Electric Angels, and they they wrote the song, it, it was a very similar title to the Kiss song, Let's Put the X in Sex. I think it was like a slight different, different uh, title, but like Kiss basically took that song title and then made their own song, but they basically stole the song title. But, and that's when he said, he goes, yeah, that's when we learned you can't copyright a song title. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. You could copyright melodies. Um, but you can't copyright, I, I, you know, titles and, and uh, album titles and song titles and stuff like that. That's like open, that's like open season. Yeah. It's weird now with the melodies, they're like, Oh, this song, you ripped this song off. And it's like, Sometimes you go, I don't know if that's really, and then they're, they sue and there's these lawsuits and I don't know. Sometimes like those things really are a little bit of a stretch to me. It's something to do with like five notes. I think five, the mm. five notes in a row. I mean, I mean, there's probably somebody out there who's a legal scholar who's going to say I'm wrong, but I think there's something to do with like, it's got you, it can't be the same five notes in a row, hmm. um, which kind of makes sense. I've, I've kind of, it, it, it's, it's hard yeah, it, it, from a songwriting point of view, I could see where they would come up with that. It's hard for me to explain why, but yeah, it's the it's the five notes. So in other words, if it's two or three notes, you know, you could steal that, hmm. um, but you can't steal five notes. Hmm. Gotcha. So uh, now that the the album's out, it's getting good reviews. Are you going to tour? Are you going to do any live shows? Do you have any dates lined up? Do you have a band? I mean, we, we're we're talking about that. Uh, it's just that with everything the way it is right now. Um, you know, it's just hard to just know what's going on. I, I'm, I'm constantly turning down offers to do, you know, the live stream type thing. There's a couple of venues that want me to do stuff. And I don't know. I mean, now that it's opening up a little bit, maybe we would do it. But I just have been I just haven't felt right about, you know, getting a band together to rehearse. And it just it just didn't seem like a wise move. But um, but uh, who knows? Yeah, it could happen. I mean, nobody's doing anything right now from what I could tell. I mean, nothing worthwhile, put it that way. So New York is still pretty shut down? It's pretty shut down, yeah. I mean, there's a few people doing stuff, but it's like there's partitions up in the club, and it's like they let 20 people in, and it's like, I don't know, man. Is it really worth it? I don't think so. Well, so you say if you are going to put a band together, you say that you need like a borderline guitar virtuoso, and you have some guys in mind, but you don't want to say who they are. Are these people that have been in like famous bands, or are these more like local guys? Or you, you, you heard my you heard the interview from last night, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I was really I was like on the edge of my seat. I was like, oh, this is good stuff. Um, I you know, uh, I, I, it, it remains to be seen. You know, I mean, I know I know Bumble doesn't Bumble. You know, he he put this out there, so I'm not really I'm not really um saying anything that he hasn't said publicly, but. I know he really wants to take it easy with live appearances. Um, so I got to figure something out, but yeah, I have some guys in mind of, of what I would potentially do, but uh, it's just too premature to really even talk about, you know, I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't even want to ask guys to rehearse at this point, you know, because of the shutdowns and everything that it's too early. Yeah. It's just, you know, and where are we going to play besides, you know, like we're, we're like for what, you know what I mean? You know, um, so yeah, but, but both those things combined, it's like, it's just the, the clubs are not a full capacity and I, you know, I just can't see asking everybody to get together and, and, uh, and, and rehearse. It just doesn't seem like 
wise at this time, you know? But eventually, hopefully when things open back up, then that is the plan. Yeah, I'd love to do that. And, and, and in fact, if that doesn't work, I've been working on another band. Um, I keep saying that I have this like blues, more blues based uh, band that I've been working on. And, you know, if I can't get a compulsions lineup together, you know, I got this other thing and it's very much in the compulsions wheelhouse, a little bit more down, um, you know, that the, the kind of Rolling Stones influence that I have. So it'll be a lot less of the punk and the ACDC type stuff. And it'd just be more, you know, uh, the heavy blues rock and like some Southern rock and country and reggae and funk and stuff like that. But it wouldn't be like the metallic side of what I do just because the players that I have in mind, they they excel in the other, on the other side. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think you should do a tour like, uh, you know, across the United States. So can you get like a pack and you probably have to do like a package deal, right? Cause you couldn't just tour by yourself. I would love to do a package tour. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. Who would you want to tour with if you could? Man, that's a good question. I haven't even thought of that, you know. Uh, I don't know, man. Who do you think? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to think. I mean, somebody maybe at the same kind of maybe get like two or three other bands that are, you know, that are you guys are on the same kind of level and uh I just say, you know, like just go for it. Who knows? Like You know, I have a good friend of mine. You should check him out. He's uh his name is Nigel Mogg and he's got a band called The Brutalists. Hmm. And they we would go anything that I do would go really well with Nigel. Nigel's uncle was in UFO. And Nigel was in the Choir Boys. He was the bass player, hmm. but now he's um, now he's uh, he's the lead singer of the Brutalists. And we would go. You know, I'm really good friends with him. He's a great guy. He lives on the West Coast, and I'm over here, obviously. Um, but I would we, we we would do great with the, with them. You know, just just musically and uh, and and vibe wise, that would be a lot of fun. Okay, well, make it happen. Yeah, because I'd love to see you guys live. I mean, I doubt that I'll be in New York. And it sounds like you're not doing shows in New York anyway. So. It sounds like you're gonna have to tour and get down here to Arizona and that would be great, man. Yeah, it'd be fun. Are people playing over there yet? Yeah, yeah. There's shows going on, on down here. Um smaller ones, nothing like the big arenas, but the clubs right. are they've had shows, yeah. It's they've um they've lifted the mask ordinance here and I mean they've got the vaccine. Like I don't know how you guys are with the vaccine, but I think we're at like forty one percent of the state has the vaccine. We're almost I like halfway. We're at, uh, but I, you know, I got mine. You know, I'm uh, I'm three weeks out from my second one, so I'm I'm oh. I, I, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. So I mean, as long as you got the vaccine, I think it's probably a lot safer. Um, I didn't know this. I saw this on your website. I don't know how I missed this, but did you have a song in the TV show uh, Shameless? Yeah, we did. We they put a snippet of uh, there's a there's a track that we have called She's So Fucking Sexy, and they used it. Um, they used it um, during some like it wasn't really a lesbian scene. It was like a mis- like somebody thought they were looking at it. Watch it was complicated. I can't explain it, you know, here. But it basically, a couple of it was funny. It was like a couple of girls were like having fun with a water hose, <laughs> and then like somebody filmed it on their phone. One of the characters and then or took pictures of it, and then they were looking at the pictures later on, and they they they. They thought what they were seeing was like a lesbian scene, which it wasn't. Um, but they used the music to that so- to that song underneath it. And it, it, it worked really well. It was pretty funny. How did now? How do you get hooked up with something like that? Because that's a pretty lucrative deal if you can get a lot of those, right? 
Yeah, I have I have a guy I have guys that represent me and stuff like that. And once mm. in a while, I'll get a call about, hey, you know, do you have a song for this? Or how about if I submit this song? It, it's 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 real hard to get when you're not when you don't have management, you don't have a label and stuff like that, because they're always hawking that stuff for you. But um, I do have um, some people representing me. And so at any time, you know, I could get a call and something like that could happen. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. What other uh, future plans do you have? Are you going to start working on another album or what's the, what's the next step for you? I got, I, you know, I have so much material in the works um, that I guess I just have to finish it and put out something else. You know Um, I've been talking to some labels. um, You know, I'm not sure what we're going to do. If we're going to do anything, it depends if the deal is right, but there's been talk of like either, either actually putting out some of the older stuff or, um, or, uh, or 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 brand new stuff. So I'm not really sure what's going on, but I have no shortage of like material to keep busy on. Um, actually, um, I'm gonna do. Uh, there's another podcast that asked me to um, do 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 uh, if they could use um, some compulsions music as their theme song, and I'm gonna do the voiceover for it. So I have I have a few. You know, I'll do I'll do the same thing for you if you want, Chuck. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm keeping busy. So which podcast is it? Can you say or? Uh, I don't, I'm, I don't want to say because I want to make sure it comes out. Okay, it'll be on the way. It'll be on. It'll, if people are that curious, it, 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 and it does work out, it'll be on the Compulsions website soon. So would you see? Uh, I'm thinking I, of uh, what I'm thinking about doing is maybe for my theme song is like maybe having like a like a contest and just having everybody submit their best song. And then I pick the best one. Or could you like write a song? Because I, I feel like I need like some real vocals, you know, like it's Chuck Shoot podcast, like an actual like song that's actual like lyrics that, you know, fit my show. I've, I've done one of those too. Yeah, I did. I did one a, a while back. It was uh, I did one for uh, it was a British podcast. And um, really, and I wrote, I wrote the lyrics for it. It was like a little sting. I mean, it costs a little bit of money to go in the studio and do do that kind of stuff. So, yeah. I mean, I know a lot. I don't have, you know, I don't have a studio at home. So I know for a lot of guys, it's not a big deal. But you also have to have the idea and the lyrics and, mm. and the melody and all that kind of stuff, like you said. Um, but uh, I'm sure, I mean, I know you've been to, you've interviewed some real, you know, heavy, famous cats. I'm sure they would love to do something like that. What I was talking about was like, you know, what I'm doing with these guys is I'm 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 literally donating a track to them and I'm gonna just speak the copy that they want me to say over it, you know. Mm. So that's a lot less work than like coming up with something. Well, that's cool. So it sounds like you got a lot of stuff going on. Well, like I said, I'd love to see you live if you can get down here somehow. That'd be amazing. Um, anything else you want to promote? Uh, what kind of? Well, I I I think we covered it all, man. You know, I mean, I really appreciate you having me back on. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we end with a charity that I think last time you did the world resource Institute. So we can just put that in the notes again, if people want to throw some uh, money to that. Hang on. Let me just kill this. Yeah. Um, yeah, that dude, I love those guys. So yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Well, thanks Rob. It was awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me on, man. We'll talk soon. All right. Keep in touch. All right. Take care now. See you later. Bye-bye. So that was Rob Carlisle from the compulsions. And next up, we've got the Dodies. Stick around. Well, welcome the Dodies to the Chuck Shoe Podcast. So it's Ran, and how do I say, is it Yoni? Is that how I say your name? Yoni. That's Yoni. how you say it. Okay, cool. So you guys are from uh, Israel. 
that's that's pretty far away. Uh, but um, I think Yoni, you're an American and an Israeli citizen. You're dual. You have dual citizenship, right? Got dual citizenship. Yeah, I was born in Dallas, and I moved to Israel when I was two years old. Okay. But, uh, I'm I am familiar with the culture. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, listening to your music, I mean, you definitely have those nineties rock influences with this band, uh, the muse, Weezer, Nirvana, what else, what else were you guys growing up on? Soundgarden. You got it. (laughs) Got it. Yeah. Um, Radiohead. Okay. Fair enough. And then, um, so you guys started playing together when you were just kids. So tell me how the band came together. Cause you were like, what, 14 when you started playing together? Yes. Ron would bash on the drums and I would scream into a microphone. I couldn't sing yet, but my dream was to be a singer. And, you know, I just, we played Bob the Builder covers, you know, that Bob the Builder uh, kids, <laughs> kids show. TV show. Yeah. Yeah. The kids TV show. Okay. And this was in yeah. Israel. That you guys are, this is where you met? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you did Bob the Builder cover. That's really interesting. (laughs) All right. And then, um, so the band starts growing. So tell me about this. Uh, you guys have like a, uh, it's like your mom's friend is kind of like a Patreon super fan and she really believes in your music enough to where she flew you over to Austin and, um, did some recording there and then, um, got you guys hooked up with Bumblefoot. How did you guys, um, find uh, this woman just she just because she's your mom's friend she just listened to music and loved it yeah that's pretty much what it was I mean I knew her as a child uh, but I haven't heard from her in, in, in years and one day she just called me up and started talking to me about the album we recorded in, in, in Ron's room uh, and she said she loved it and she believed in it and she wanted to fly us over to the States and record shit and make us, make us as big as the Foo Fighters. Yeah. So, but she didn't have connections. So how did she get hooked up with Bumblefoot? She just reached out to him and said, what's your fee and I'll pay it or what? Well, uh, we recorded the studio we recorded at, um, had connections and, and the manager, uh, Matt Navesky, the manager of the studio studio, uh, he, he, uh, loved the songs as well. And he helped us too. And he helped us reach a man called, uh, John Gomez. And he knows Bumblefoot. Oh, okay. It's just another person rolled into another person. She didn't yeah. really know anyone herself that much. Okay. Gotcha. So then tell me about Bumblefoot's production style, because it sounds like he was kind of, he gave you a lot of freedom and he was kind of more hands off. Yeah. Well, he added a lot of humor. He added humor. So yeah. So what does he do? If he's hands off, he's got to be doing something, right? Uh, He did tell us, you know, he, he, it's kind of cliche to say that, but he did make us sound more like ourselves in a way. Uh, we we kind of we we did the 
the keyboard drums thing that we do live, mm-hmm. but we always considered it a live thing. We never thought of of recording that way. Um, he was the first one to suggest it. So yeah, explain that. So it's like, um, you know, one of you sings and plays guitar, and then um, the other one you don't play the full drums. You play a drum with one hand and you play the keyboard bass line with the other hand, right? Yeah. So you're doing exactly. two instruments. Isn't that hard? It is. <laughs> uh, it was way worse at first. Uh, yeah. It kind of makes me play in a very certain way. Uh, a very specific. It, it's, it's by now it's part of our sound signature. I would say. Mm-hmm. And it was and, first done out of necessity, right? Because you didn't have a bass player. So you're like, all right, well, I'll just do the bass lines and the drums. Would you ever go back to adding a bass player? And then. Yeah, it came out of necessity. That's right. Uh, right now. No, we're not planning on adding a bass player. Not, not in the moment. Like, like logistically it's, it's been working out for us to be a duo uh, you know, it's cheaper and we don't have to fight with a third person just with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but also, also like sound wise, that was one of Ron's great contributions, in my opinion, to say that, you know, we should record that way, hmm. not only as a live thing. So when you recorded, you recorded like playing drums with one hand, you didn't do the full... Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I'm listening to this album. It's called one hell of a ride and the songs are really catchy. They have good hooks, but yet they're really hard at the same time. It reminds me a little bit. I don't know if you guys remember like mud honey or Sonic youth. It kind of reminds yeah. me like mud honey meets Royal blood or Sonic youth meets Weezer kind of, cause it's like got that hard edge, but then it's also got the kind of the poppier stuff. Um, but tell me about boiling point. This is a catchy fast rock and song you wrote the song when you were depressed and you felt nervous about having uh no sex with women in your 20s are were you able to rectify that problem or yes i was oh, okay through a great deal of therapy <laughs> i'm right i'm living with my girlfriend as we speak she's right in the next room oh there so. we go all right so you really <laughs> but you were not were you a virgin at the time or are you just going through a dry spell? Uh, in, in a way, sort of, I was, uh, I, I didn't have, I barely, no. Yeah, I was a virgin. Wow. <laughs> so was that song more about just frustration and stuff then? Well, um, if you have issues with intimacy, you probably have issues with yourself. You're probably scared of getting close to people in general. Hmm. Sex is just the representation of that because it's an intense form of intimacy. So do you use that? Like when you write that music, that's kind of your way of kind of getting out those emotions though. And the frustration by writing the songs about it. Yeah. It's just, it's just um, being real about what you feel. See, because I feel like that's a big problem with uh, um, society. I mean, I don't know about over there, but like in America, we we have the, a lot of these like mass shootings and stuff. And I feel like it's a lot of these kids that are just sexually frustrated and then they don't know how oh, to yeah. express it. They need to pick up a guitar. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, or something, some sort of a creative outlet. Um, so tell me about the song Sellout, because this song's a little bit more punky, but um, it's about touring with an Israeli pop star. Can you say yeah. who that was? I'm not going to mention the name. Um, but we toured with an Israeli, like Avril Lavigne, pop star girl. Okay. When we were very young with our older band called We Suck. <laughs> and it was such a horrible experience for us, you know, especially because like they would film us and we would, we, they, it was just very, um, it was like a part of the industry we've, we've never been up close to. Like we, we always complained about pop being fake to a certain degree, but we've never actually been a part of it. And when we were a part of it, it was such a contrast to who we were as people that it was kind of traumatizing in a way, you know? What do you mean by that? What, what, why was it different? That's what I mean. What's that? Why was it different? Because there was no artistic outlet. They would try and subdue us. Uh, you know, if we would go wild on stage, we're like, no, stop it, stop it. You can't uh, go wild like this. Mm. People are go- going to think you are on, on acid. So you were like the opening band? Is that what it was? We were opening band, but we also accompanied the, oh. the singer. Okay. So, yeah, because pop music is very different than what you guys are a lot harder than pop music for sure. So that, yeah. So it's like, you kind of had to change your style. Hard, hard thing. It's, it's more about just being hard. You know, it's, it's, it's about being real about whatever it is you create, you know, and not just trying to crack the code to manipulate the minds of children to buy your album. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that wasn't a good fit for you then basically. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and then tell me about this song, Alien. This is a great riff, great song. Uh, but this was written about you being a patient in the Southern Israeli psych department. Is that yeah. real? Yeah, it's real. Well, tell me the story. What happened there? Why, why were you in the psych department? Uh, I was just, well, I, it's not that I have any neurological disorder or anything like that, but... Um, I've, I've, I was very depressed in my early 20s, in my late teens, uh, for a few good years. And um, uh, I just took care of that by going to the psychiatric department. You know, it sounds uh, kind of dark, the fact that you were there, but I think most people should go to therapy in general. You know, mm-hmm. It wasn't a bad experience. It was intense, but it wasn't, you know. It was intense. Like, was it, was it inpatient or outpatient? Inpatient or outpatient? Yeah. Like, were you in, like, were you, uh, were you hospitalized in the hospital or do you just come in and do your therapy and then go home and come back? And I would come in and it would go. Okay. And so it was, so did you, what kind of therapy was it? Was it kind of like you're going through your history of your life kind of thing? Or was it more like, uh, sit down with, uh, a group of uh, patients, other people like me that came there. Well, everyone had their own 
thing, you know, schizophrenics or, or people suffering from OCD or, Mm. um, and we would just sit and talk with each other. And then we were, we were, uh, assigned to a therapist to talk to us personally afterwards. And I had a very deep connection with my therapist, my personal therapist, and uh, I, I, I would meet her for four years afterwards for free. I mean, she let me keep seeing her for free. And, it, and she was, uh, I love that woman to the depths of my being. <laughs> That's a great. great woman. So it sounds like it really helped. So it's like a group therapy and then also individual therapy. And it sounds like it really helped you. Yeah, it did. That's awesome. And then obviously you got a great song out of it too. Um, and then tell me about the song. I just love this title. I don't know what it's about, but Pussy Riot. That's just a great title for a song. What is that about, though? Is it just basically what it... What it sounds like, yeah. I just... Uh, I knew we had to have, like, one punk song, like, all the way punk in this album. And at the time, I saw the documentary about the, the Pussy Riot Girls. And I was uh, infatuated with them. Like I was in love with them, sort of. Uh, <laughs> so I just dedicated that song to them. I had this fantasy about, you know, being with the perfect punk girl or whatever. That's sort of what it's about. I, I'm not familiar with that documentary. What is that about? It's about uh, Pussy Riot, the, the, the girls, the what? Russian girls who who uh, demonstrated in some Russian church against Putin and thrown in jail. Huh. Okay. Well, I'll have to check that out. That's awesome. So people can find all this music on um, Spotify and YouTube. And uh, speaking of YouTube, your music videos, now you animate these yourself. Like how hard is that? Like, for example, Alien, like how long does it take to make that video? Um. Well, I drew the animation and my girlfriend painted it. Um, it took two and a half months to draw all of that mm. and a month and a half to edit it together with the editor. And it was, if it was pure suffering, yeah, we would fight a lot and uh, <laughs> we just moved in together. A small apartment. Corona, nowhere to go. Uh, yeah, suffering. It's cool but though. It came out good. Yeah, I yeah. like it. That's very cool. So you guys toured the states in uh, 2017. I don't. I don't know if you've been back since then. Is it hard to make money on a tour like that in the states, or is the goal just to break even? Because I would think it's so expensive to fly you back over to the states, and then to stay in hotels and all that. How does that work? Well, breaking even isn't, isn't even yet in our vocabulary, you know, as a, as a band uh, touring uh, the States, we almost had like this real genuine tour. We had showcases in New York and California in front mm. of people from the industry. Okay. But we haven't had like a genuine, like band, great band to warm up. And we almost did but we have bureaucratic issues because we're from Israel. 
they won't allow us to uh i've got some visa problems <laughs> i'm the problematic one right not american yeah so it's hard to get that that visa like how does that i don't even yeah i don't even know how that it's just basically it's a nightmare to try to get all the paperwork and stuff yeah it's way harder than we first thought for sure <laughs> so is that something that you can you can try again though and and plan another tour in the u.s yeah yeah that's that's what we're working on oh really you are working can you say are you going to be doing it by yourselves or are you going to be is it a package deal with another band or um it's it's nothing you know it's still we're still playing and planning it um it's you know with the whole covid thing still hard to you know to really get into details as of the moment okay now but did yeah, you guys so, uh, our patron our patron hired a lawyer for that issue specifically and she opened up her own label she created a label for it to be more legitimate of us to reach the states. Okay. Legally, it's a bureaucratic thing, but All right. But she went uh, through great lengths for uh, getting us uh, back there legitimately. And now there there's covid, so we're just oh. fucking stuck. Right. Okay. So but maybe I could look forward in the future maybe you'd be down here. I'm in Arizona. Um, but yeah, maybe you'll be down this way at some point. Yeah. Or maybe with a package deal, like you want to tour with Radiohead, right? Oh yeah, of course. (laughs) We're far from that, but we would love that. (laughs) You think you're far from that? Why is that? Uh, well, I can try one step at a time, you know, (laughs) I can, I can try calling Tom York or Johnny Greenwood or something, but I don't know if anyone's going to (laughs) answer. Well, yeah, maybe this patron can do like a, you guys can do a pay, pay to play or whatever. I know that's like a, a th- one thing, one way to get yourselves on these tours is uh, you just pay. So I don't know how much your patron has, but if she's got the money, she could probably uh, get you attached to some of these other packages. It's an option. Yeah, let, let's, let's hope it's not all about the money. Maybe they'll just love our music yeah do it <laughs> that would be amazing now did you guys play um south by southwest or did you just attend south by southwest we attended south by southwest okay so you haven't played. actually played there no it would be it would be illegal for us to play there at that moment oh okay but maybe in the future oh please jesus um let's see what else so and you guys have already started working on your next album you said that's going to be a little bit darker tell me about the next album next album uh floating in limbo it's called Mm. it's it's the some of the songs are darker but but it's a it's a it's an album more about changing the phase in your life like one hell of a ride is pure depression and uh, floating in, in limbo is more like wait who am i maybe i'm not who i thought i was 
uh, now that I accept the obliviousness of myself, I can start changing as a person. And then a lot of fucked up shit happens. Okay. Wow. Well, Honestly, I- the songs, the melodies, it's, it, there's, it's a bit more sophisticated. Not, it's still simple. It's still uh, like the first album. It's still punky, but, but I think the songs are better. They're written better. Oh, okay. Well, I'm excited. Yeah. Cause I like the, the first album so far. I've, I've liked all these songs on, on the uh, one hell of a ride. So I'm excited. If the, the next one's going to be even better, then that should be great. And, and is uh, Bumblefoot producing this one as well? Well, that's what we agreed upon. We talked to him about it and uh, we're just hoping like to find the right time to leave here. And yeah, we still don't know when and where, but that's the plan. Okay. Sounds good. Well, anything else you guys have on the horizon? Um, any other tour dates or anything like that or any other projects? Any other projects? Uh, I don't know. No, just uh, get us out of here, please. Not putting your, like, getting a song on a TV show or anything? That's a big thing that bands do now because you can't sell albums. You try to get your music in a TV show or movie or something like that. Yeah. We should. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. That's one way to get exposure nowadays, yeah. right? Yeah, for yeah, sure. That, well, besides, that would be awesome. Yeah, besides doing podcasts. We should. We should try it. You, write you, the theme for Dr. Phil or something. <laughs> Dr. Phil. You have a publicist now, right? What now what do they what does a publicist do? Is that just help you set up interviews or what is there something else that she does? Interviews and magazines and uh, yeah, reach certain yeah, helped us a lot with with uh, premiering our our videos and stuff like that. Cool. All right, cool guys. Well, I do like to end each episode uh, with a charity of the guest choice. Is there is there a charity that you guys work with or you want to give a shout out to? Is there a charity that we work with? Well, not exactly. I do work at uh I take care of uh, schizophrenic patients in my job. Hmm. Uh I pay taxes, so technically I'm paying for their welfare. Okay. You can say that. <laughs> uh but uh, you know, I would, I would, I would say that, uh, the minimum wage I get is pretty much charity to what I do <laughs> as of right now. Okay. Well, is there, is there, is there, um, somewhere that people can donate to help that cause out or a mental health, uh, organization? Do you have, uh, I, I mean, I, I bet you have like anything in America or, Okay. I'll find something and I'll put it in the notes just to, and I'll put your, uh, your website in there as well. And that's got all your links to YouTube and yeah, social media. We're, we're not too familiar with names, but anything that helps the costs of, you know, mental illness. Okay. Sounds good guys. Well, thanks. I look forward to uh, new music at some point too. And maybe, uh, hopefully a show down here in Arizona. If you ever get down this way, let me know. Yeah. All right. We will. Okay. Thanks, guys. I'll see you later. Thanks for having us. Okay. Bye-bye. See you later. All right. Well, that's it for today. I want to thank Rob Carlisle of The Compulsions and The Doties for taking the time to come on my show. Make sure to check out both bands on Spotify or wherever you get your music. 
I put their websites in the show notes along with their selected charities if you want to throw a few bucks that way. Uh, make sure to follow Rob and Dodie's on social media so you can keep up with all the latest that they're happening. Uh, I'd love to see both bands live, but it seems like it could be a stretch to get them to come here. So uh, I guess we'll see. Thank you all for listening. Have a great rest of your day. And remember, shoot for the moon.